Hello and welcome to the latest Science Sport Podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Tom Cullen. So Tom is an assistant professor at Coventry University where he's done research into heat and cold exposures to improve recovery. Before that, he was an applied physiologist, a sports scientist and a strength and conditioning coach working with elite athletes. So who better today to discuss how you can use heat and cold to improve your recovery. So without further ado, it's time to welcome Tom onto the show. So Tom, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks. Great to be here. Thank you very much for joining us. So can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Yeah, so I'm an assistant professor at Coventry University in applied human physiology. In the past, I've been a course leader in applied sports science at Worcester University. And before that, I did lots of research into sort of uh, training monitoring and Olympic athletes. And before that, I worked in applied sport as a sports scientist, exercise physiologist, and sometimes S&C coach. Absolutely excellent. So uh, we're going to talk about uh, heating and cooling as a means of recovery today. Um, have, you, have, you, have you done that with athletes before a lot? How, how does your, your background there look? Yeah, I, th- I guess back to when I used to do stuff in applied sports science frontline, everyone was doing ice baths it was kind of the common thing literally every team I worked with did it and it was yeah bread and butter really and since then you've done uh, research on it too so maybe we can get some more uh, up, like applied ideas and some some of the latest insights in there as well for sure absolutely excellent so obviously you mentioned ice baths right like that for me seems like the start of this whole story that people are like oh if we jump in an ice bath after in preseason I'm super relevant now football preseason we're going to jump in an ice bath and then we recover better and that's a good thing. So is that the start of, of using these kind of techniques as a recovery tool or was there a step before that as well? I think it depends how far back you want to go. And there's only so far back we know about. I'm, I'm not that old. I think this has <laughs> probably been around for a very, very long time. People have been playing with cooling and heating for, for ages, decades, centuries, really. Um, but I guess the start of the research from cryotherapy, ice baths, cooling, probably stems back to the injury models where they were doing not very nice things to rodents and other animals like crush injuries and then looking at inflammation and how quickly you could return and recover those animals with ice, I guess. Um, The flip side of that is I I don't think that evidence really exists in humans. You can't really do that in a lab, apparently. Um, (laughs) Ethically, dubious at best. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think studying injury like that in that way is where it all came from. And that's where a lot of the ideas of rest, ice, compression, elevation came from. Um, So I think that's where it comes from. And and it's kind of morphed into slightly different scenarios now. And and that's where it's become popularized. And and where did heat come into the equation? Because obviously, yeah, then it it seems like that's kind of a logical progression from that early research on on injury. But yeah, who thought, oh, we'll warm it up and see what happens? Uh, Yeah, Uh, well, I was thinking about this recently. I I guess in the scientific literature, it's become quite popular to study this. and, And I think lots of athletes, you see them doing it, whether it's saunas becoming really popular in the last maybe five or 10 years. Um, but actually, I think if you think about it differently, everyone was always doing it, but we were always jumping in a hot shower after a, a training session on a cold Sunday morning or, or after a game. And I think if, if you think about a hot shower as actually just another form of recovery 
then everyone's been doing it. We just haven't seen it as recovery. Yeah, yeah, I can understand. And uh, maybe not in the days that my dad was playing football and he got a cold tin bath that everyone jumps in, but um, you can imagine more recently, at least, it's, uh, it's a little bit different. Um, oh, so when, when it comes to... My Sorry. mind's going back to those huge, uh, like, communal baths you had after rugby matches. Do you remember them? Yeah. As a, as a I, I, did, I, I was uh, maybe a generation uh, younger than that. That was uh, I was never, fortunately, exposed to, to that kind of stuff. But um, in terms of, like, the, the physiology, which Great then days. underpins this, right? Um, um, what, uh, what kind of physiology then what kind of research then backs this up as a, a means of, of recovery? So what's happening in our bodies when we're using, for example, cold or heat when we want to recover? So as I mentioned earlier, it all started with this idea of um, reducing inflammation. And, and we kind of sometimes talk about secondary inflammation and secondary damage. And that's associated with swelling and infiltration of um, different white blood cells into the site of injury. But that is really about injury rather than lots of sporting scenarios might look at recovery when there's actually no injury. Um, but it really depends on the sport. Some have load of collisions, some have zero and very little, say, eccentric contractions or muscle damage. So it, it kind of depends, but I think that's where it all stems from. Um, and cooling specifically is trying to, the theory was originally to reduce that that swelling and muscle damage. Um, but the knock-on effect of that, which there is much better evidence for, is improving your perception of soreness uh, and pain in a more of an injury scenario. Um, and I guess in the last sort of 10 years, the research has kind of caught up with that. And it's, excuse the pun, it's probably cooled on that. I, d I don't think there is great evidence now. I think most people accept there's not great evidence that say an ice bath for 15 minutes does reduce inflammation, um, but it definitely does reduce soreness. Um, and again, there's been some really nice research in the last 10 years that shows most of that effect is actually due to placebo. So there's been some really cool studies where if you just sprinkle in some magic salts into a bath at a normal water temperature, it has the same improvement in muscle soreness and, and performance recovery as if you're doing an ice bath um, and people have attributed that to what we call the belief effect. So if you believe that something's going to be effective and by and large, all athletes think and believe that ice baths are really good, then that's, that's the effect you get. Um, so that's probably where we're at with that. Um, and I'm sure you'll ask me later about, well, I would advise it or not. So I'll leave that. Um, yeah. But th that's probably where we are with the, the cooling um, stuff. And I think there probably are some other effects and, and we also need to keep in mind that we actually don't know everything and know how to measure everything. So there might be other things going on that we just don't know about or we, we haven't even discovered yet. So I think we need to keep an open mind on that front. Um, and, and the heat then, because obviously that's, yeah. that's, I imagine that's a different mechanism in inside your, your, your body, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it all works in the same way. So the cooling stuff is about reducing blood flow and cooling muscle temperature and reducing potentially infiltration of white cells and reducing that swelling. Whereas the heating does the complete opposite, increases muscle temperature, depending on how hot, how long. Um, massive increase in blood flow to the working muscle. Uh, and also you get, you actually get a little bit of inflammation 
whether they actually do inflammatory things, these mediators or not, but you do get a little bit of inflammation within the muscle as well. Um, one of the reasons why that's interesting, particularly for me, is inflammation might actually be a good thing. Um, so going back to the ice a second ago, the, the original proponent of the rest ice elevation compression thing now thinks actually ice might be a bad thing for injury and you might want to accelerate that healing process. But it probably is quite complicated if you're trying to compete again in short period of time and you're trying to deal with that swelling and all that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, that, that's where we're at. Um, from my side on the heating front, we actually don't necessarily look at um, heating just as a recovery modality. It's also, we see it as a, a, a training adaptation tool as well. So you're causing some of the same stresses that you get with exercise. So increase in blood flow, positive shifts in plasma volume that might in the long term, some of this is quite speculative still and being studied at the moment, but aid in long-term adaptation. So that's that's kind of where we're looking at it from. But we're also saying, does it actually impair recovery in some circumstances if it is another stressor? And I think that's where the cooling stuff is going as well. Um, that's, that's probably the current state of the research. So then in terms of like recommendations, so what, what, what does the science then actually recommend? Let's say you're an athlete who um, they've competed on Saturday, I don't know, football, rugby, whatever. Um, you have a large amount of, of muscle damage and you're like, you know what, I'm sore, but I've got to compete again on Wednesday, for example. You've got a short turnaround, you know, the, the typical Champions League weeks. Mm. Um, and the athlete thinks, well, you know what, I think it's a good idea to, to do some kind of recovery because I need to compete again in a really short space of time and I'm sore. What are the scientific recommendations for these techniques so for, for hot and cold? Um, how do we then go about like giving that information to the athlete and what do you say? Yeah, so I'd, I'd find out what they're doing already to start off with. You, you always got to keep in mind the constraints of the scenario. So what have they got um, and what do they like doing? I think preference keys into that belief effect thing. So I wouldn't stroll in there. They always do ice baths and they're, oh, no, chuck that in the bin, they're rubbish, don't do anything. Absolutely not. I think anyone says that is, is insane, probably hasn't worked in, in sport. So I, I would try and find out what they prefer and go with their preference. I think if they are already doing things like ice baths and they're a sensible protocol, so the sorts of stuff we talk about are eight to 12 degrees, 10 to 15 minutes, that sort of thing, as long as it's sensible and they do need to recover, it might help with some soreness in that period. I would definitely do that sort of thing. Um, I wouldn't overcomplicate it. I'd make sure it's not going to have a negative effect on any of the things that we're really certain we need to focus on. So sleep, hydration, nutrition are all things that are probably higher up the pyramid in terms of how important they are and also the evidence base behind them. So I'd make sure all of those things are not going to be impaired by the recovery and, and go with something they believe in and they enjoy. I think we kind of sometimes over-focus on the physiology and forget that actually there's an athlete that needs to enjoy what they're doing. So I'd, I'd keep them at the center of it. And in, in terms of, so you, you mentioned the, like the, the degrees and the, the time for cooling. Um, what would you then recommend if they, if the athlete in this case thinks that heating is a, is a good option? Yeah, I think the research on this is way more um, early stage. We're still at kind of proof of concept, really. Um, one thing I'm absolutely certain of is you can, cook someone and you can put them in a in a hot tub or 
um, a sauna for too long. And we've seen really negative effects of stuff like that. So I would keep it quite short and, and focus on um, relaxation and enjoyment. Um, from that side of things, we've seen like reductions in cortisol, so stress hormones and improvements in anxiety and stress with things like just 30 minutes of, of a hot tub, something like that. But I think you could probably go shorter like when you when you've had enough get out and that usually means like 15 20 minutes probably but again okay. I, would, I would put the athlete in charge and just say do what you feel comfortable with you enjoy the most something like that and are there any times then which you think oh you know what like we we shouldn't be doing these things so when athletes they might want to to go into a, a bath or a, a sauna or whatever but actually you you put your foot down and say, you know what, we, we don't want to be doing that right now. It's, it's not necessary. It could, are there any negative potential other than cooking someone literally, like you mentioned, um, are yeah. there any ne negatives which are associated with these things? Yeah. So I think the research on ice baths is pretty solid now that you can impair um, anabolic effects, so muscle growth. So if you're in a pre-season window and you're really trying to focus on having a bit of hypertrophy, because that's the only time when you can focus on that, I definitely wouldn't be doing ice baths in that scenario. There's there's really good evidence that that can have a detrimental effect. Um, so that that's probably the clearest cut one, I would say, at the moment. Um, and there's also questions about if you're doing multiple sessions a day, whether you should probably avoid it. Um, but again, it, it depends whether you've got big issues with temperature regulation, which some sports do. And then that scenario, you're better off getting someone back down to a cool temperature. Um, I'm looking out my window at the moment and it's pissing down with rain. But sometimes in, in this window, we've got Wimbledon going on and you've got people getting super, super hot and need to compete again the next day. And in that scenario, I probably would get them get them in an ice bath and get them cooled down. Um, but it's, it's probably for different reasons. And what would those reasons be then? Well, you, you need to get core temperature back down. So they've competed for a long time, maybe four or five hours in a high temperature tennis is is crazy for that you'll see them on on the pitch side doing everything they can to keep cool all sorts of different things and then you need to do that again afterwards get their body temperature back down uh, alongside all the other things they need to be doing um, nutrition hydration getting ready for a good sleep all that sorts of things and when when i look at some of the things that that i've seen done at least there's um there's potential suggestions for using hot and cold together. Um, and if you go to like a, a sauna or whatever, then you have those, those baths next to each other and you're like, right, we're going to go hot, pl hot plunge, cold plunge, whatever. Um, is there any evidence to suggest that, that the combination of the two is then effective? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so yet. I think at the moment it, there's you know, some sensible theories, but that's probably where we're at. I wouldn't feel comfortable yet saying any recommendations really, but it's, it's right it's the kind of direction i think people are going to and as as you'll know in, in the applied world you've got to act on you know partial information um and sometimes just a good idea and you might have a hunch that this works so as long as you stick to the good principles of does the athlete enjoy it is it affecting anything else negatively if it's not then i think you can you absolutely should crack on and you have to push the boundaries and try and get an edge so feel free to try it, but you can easily monitor your athletes very inexpensively, look at performance tests, look at mood, look at perceptual measures to see whether it's negatively affecting them. If it's not, crack on.
Absolutely brilliant. And then to bring this all together, I, I'm interested to hear how yeah you've gone about doing this previously. So could you could you give us like a, an example uh, program of what you've done to to improve recovery using these methods, and then what the results are of that? Yeah. So the the most I'll talk about the most recent project because as mentioned earlier, historically. Um, when I was working in the applied world, this is you know, probably 10 years ago, really now, we were doing standard stuff, ice bath, 10 to 12 degrees, 10 to 15 minutes. And athletes liked it. Everyone thought they were getting um, you know, improved recovery, soreness goes away quicker, great, everyone's happy. Um, what we're doing now, the most recent stuff we're looking at is same day recovery. Um, and that's comparing hot and cold, but it's in it's not in your classic team sport scenario. It's in a endurance athlete. So we've got a group of endurance athletes and we're comparing hot versus cold. And the, the cold is the classic, as I've described, 10 to 12 degrees, 15 minutes. And then the hot is 30 minutes of hot water immersion in a hot tub, basically. Um, and to be honest, the results we've got so far, they're not published, so we need to be a little bit careful. But there's minimal effects, really. But the thing we were interested in for that is, does the hot water immersion actually have a detrimental effect on the performance, the training they're doing in the afternoon? So we want to, in that model, keep training volume really, really high, because that's important for endurance athletes. They, they need massive mileage to, to compete. Um, and there is some evidence that actually doing this sort of stuff, a sauna or a hot tub afterwards might make feel a bit crap. You get this thing called a heat hangover. So we'll, this is what we wanted to investigate and see whether that it might, you know, in the long term, impair the amount of mileage you could get into your athletes. And that's what we're focusing on at the moment. Um, and that's my PhD student, Campbell. I'll give him a shout out. Um, he just presented that data last week. So it's at the moment, there's no negative effect, which is absolutely what we wanted to see. Um, and then in the future, I think other groups will be looking at this in a long-term scenario, but it's, like I said earlier, it's so early days with this. Like we're really just at the proof of concept and they're kind of good ideas. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's probably what I'd like to share at the moment. And just for me quickly, what, what's a heat hangover? Because I've had a regular one before, um, but like, what, what does that entail? So if you've ever done, um, ever been in the heat too long? Felt a bit crap. Uh, worked in Dubai for a year, so I've yeah done done that one a little bit. Yeah. So what we think happens is you you get some level of inflammation. We see these inflammatory mediators go up with heating, and that might be part of a positive response. So folks that do like ten days of heat acclimation because they might go out and compete in a hot environment, it's actually really really tough. Like not a fun experience to do that. Um, and that's really what we're looking at. So is there a degree of inflammation that might impair performance or it might just impair your mood or your psychological readiness, things like that. So that's, that's what we think it is. And that's really my kind of main area is inflammation and why I'm interested in heating at the moment. Absolutely. Excellent. So Tom, massive thanks for your time and effort today. I've really enjoyed it. Where can people find out a little bit more about you and what you're up to? Yeah. So research wise, I'm active on ResearchGate and I think that will be in the in the link. And then I'm also on Twitter, not hugely active, but I'll, you know, I'll tweet stuff when, when I've got stuff to tweet about. Perfect. So Tom, massive thanks. It's been a pleasure and I look forward to speaking again soon. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you very much. 
And that's it once again. A massive thanks to Tom for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it. I'm sure you do at home too. Before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of the Science of Sport Coach Academy, where Coach Academy is overgrowing library of sports science courses broken down to bite-sized chunks. So if you've enjoyed today's podcast and you want to get some more great sports science information, you can get yourself in there completely for free in the next seven days using the link in the show notes. And what's more, you can prove your ongoing education using the certificate which you'll receive after completing each course. And, of course, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, it would be fantastic for you to recommend us to a coach, a colleague, an athlete, or a friend. That means that we can keep bringing you the best possible guests and the best possible content. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me. I'm Matt Sonnen of Science of Sport, and I'll speak to you next week.